And so before we continue to submerge into the depths of our unsearchable inheritance, the unchanging epigraph of the study, the learning of these depths is the book of Luke, verse 24, verse 44. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the Law of Moses, the Prophets, and the Psalms. So that we as the participants of the body of Christ would share with Christ the fulfillment of all that is written about Him in Scripture, we will continue to study our our collaboration with the truth of the Word of God and with the Holy Spirit who reveals the truth in the heart, what we need to do from our side so that we can receive the right to the power to put off our former way of life so that we can put on the new way of life. Receive the right so that we can fulfill our primary purpose. If we will lose it or we will not understand it, then our names will be blotted out of the book of life. If only by God's great mercy we will repent before death and will be saved as only because of God's mercy. But a person that is saved in because of mercy he's not saved with uh, the fruit of salvation but the great mercy of God but this doesn't give him the right to save his house our house is saved when we grow the fruit of salvation you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful lusts to be made new by the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new self created by God in true righteousness and holiness Ephesians 4 through 24 this very place without really any difference is also in Colossians this commanding order contains the true calling of every person that follows Christ According to Scripture, a person that does not fulfill this commandment resists Christ, and gives, uh, and the given person then is member to the category of the Antichrists. To fulfill this given commandment, commandment, there are three destiny-impacting, commanding, and fundamental acts that we must do. These are put off, be renewed, and put on. We've noted that it is specifically our decision regarding these three destiny-affecting acts to put off, be renewed, and put on that will determine whether we transform ourselves into vessels of mercy or vessels of wrath. Or more specifically, will the will we, uh, if we determine our salvation that's to happen, that is given to us in the format of a guarantee, or will we lose it forever, which will then result in our names being blotted out of the book of life? In a particular format, we already looked at the first two requirements, and stop to study the third requirement. What conditions do we need to fulfill so that by the power of our already renewed mind we can begin the process of clothing ourselves into the power of our new person that is created according to God in Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth. We stopped or studying this truth or our calling to put off our old man, renew our mind by the spirit of our mind, and clothe our body into the resurrection of Christ, we stopped 
to study the condition contained in the 18th Psalm of David, where the Holy Spirit reveals the demands according to which we are called to collaborate our faith prayer with the name of God El El Yon, or God Most High, so that we can be saved from our enemies that live within our body. And the essence of this condition consists in this, that in the circumstances of our hardship, when we will be in the great and fearful uh, wilderness is where we're being sanctified. When we are putting off the old man, we can call upon the Most High, ask to our God and confess the faith of our heart, saying, who God is for us in Christ Jesus, what God has done for us in Christ Jesus, who we are to God in Christ Jesus, and what conditions do we need to fulfill to inherit all that God has done for us in Christ Jesus and by Christ Jesus. Again, I will note that the wilderness of sanctification is a fearful and great uh, wilderness. For Christ, it was the trial. Uh, he was abandoned by God. He was uh, tempted by the devil. We need to understand that today the Christian world has is uh, pretty much within two categories. Either they allow everything or forbid everything. They sanctify themselves in everything and forbidding everything possible, things that God does not forbid, or they allow everything, allowing things that God does not allow. And so in this wilderness of sanctification, this is where a person separates himself from going to the left or the right. True their form of sanctification, but the true sanctification is to put off the old man, not just an encounter, a, a foolish house that they call the charismatic uh, service today. They allow everything, and it's uh, and so we, of course, are in that middle where uh, there are two extremes, either the for, forbid everything or allow everything extremes, we are in the middle because our sanctification is different in that by the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, we die for our nation, the house of our Father, and for the destructive desires of our soul so that we can renew our mind with the spirit of our mind, we can receive our, our soul in a new form, and after that began to collaborate when there's a, as if there are three uh, uh, girded horses that we can, uh, our spirit, our renewed mind, and our tongue, our, our gentle tongue to grow in the Eden of your heart, the tree of life, your t gentle tongue, due to which you then are able to do this great sanctification, and then God will speak to our heart, and God will then turn to us and return to us our vineyards, the Valley of Accor, and the youth that we lost in the first Adam and that we reobtained in the second Adam, which is the, the immortal and uh, incorrupted body. And it became because the person was deceived by the ancient serpent and deceived, and that's why sin came into the body. And today, hundreds of millions of Christians are convinced that they're going to heaven when they're not, because they did not understand their calling. 
if they would have understood their calling, then they would be working with themselves right now instead of uh, uh, trying to go to other countries and trying to save other people, thinking that this is some great work, that this is how they're saving their soul. We've noted that the given allegory, the 18th Psalm of David, <clears throat> is one of the most powerful and all-capturing examples demonstrating the collaboration of our renewed mind. This is King David and God Most High and their violent conflict with the carnal mind in the form of King Saul and governing sin in the form of our old person. And that by the means of confessing the faith of our heart, proclaiming who God is to us in Jesus Christ, what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, and who we are to God in Jesus Christ, God can receive the proper foundation He needs to join the battle for our earthly bodies so He can shame the governing within our body sin, which is the old person by the power of His redemption, and with noise forever thrust Him out into hell. In its character, the Per Psalm of David contains three parts. <clears throat> this is strategic teaching. It has three parts that contains the example of the character of legitimate prayer that belongs exclusively to kings, priests, and prophets. The first part identifies the state of the heart of David as a warrior in prayer, which is the required basis for the legitimate status of his prayer belonging to kings, priests, and prophets second part opens up the consistency of legitimate prayer itself, which belongs to kings, priests, and prophets, which God gives God the proper basis to deliver David and us from the hands of all of our enemies that are specifically within our body. When they will be overcome, then the enemies that are out of our body, they will run away, run without looking back. Third part illustrates the prayer battle itself in an epic way, which is beyond the limitations of the typical human mind. In a specific format, we already looked at the first part and stopped to look at the second part, which opens up the consistency of legitimate prayer in the eight names of God Most High. And so this is a prayer that consists in words that once came out of the mouth of God. A prayer are words that came out of God's mouth that the Holy Spirit uses, that the Son uses to communicate with the Father. Getting to know and confessing the power that is contained in the heart of David in the eight names of God allowed David to love and call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised so that he can be saved from his enemies. And God getting to know and confessing the truth that opens up the power of His names. When we confess the truth, the faith of God that abides in our hearts, it opens up the power of the potential of His names, the confessions that we make. And and so, provided God the right to f- uh, and the right the right and legitimate foundation to u- use the power contained in the capabilities of His names in the battle against the enemies of David. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I have been saved from my enemies. Psalm 18, 1 through 4. Let us turn to God with these eight names, and you can repeat them with me if you'd like. Uh, Who God is to us, Lord, you are my strength. Repeat it together with me. The Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are my rock. The Lord is my fortress. The Lord is my deliverer. The Lord, my rock in whom I take refuge. The Lord is my shield. 
the Lord is the horn of my salvation, and the Lord is my stronghold. We already studied our inherited lot in Christ Jesus in the power of four names of God. These are strength, rock, fortress, and deliverer, and have been studying our inherited lot contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel. The given nature of prayer where David confesses his inherited lot in the eight names of God Most High, identified the inheritance that is contained in the covenant that is made between God and man. The covenant was made in the eighth day when they circumcised the child, and so David used these eight names as a covenant of God, and these eight names are all dissolved within the 50 complete, uh, which are the complete number of his names. Because of its significance, the given nature of prayer is a strategic teaching which is purposed to be the calling of every warrior in prayer, ones that have the virtue of kings, priests, and prophets who are anointed to rule over their earthly body that is over their personal body. If a person has not accepted the given to him anointing to govern over his calling, which is his mortal body, in the status of a king, priest, and prophet, so that he can change it into the virtue of a heavenly body, then this revelation that is purposed for worshiping God in prayer will not benefit him. Therefore, the quality and lexicon identifying the name of God Living Rock, as with the previous names of God Most High, is not able to be found in any existing dictionary of the world. Living Rock is the edge of a cliff, stone or a stone defense, covering or shadow of a cliff, living rock bearing victory over the enemy, elephant tusk, elephant ivory, from which we are called to build a throne within our body for the Holy Spirit, living rock representing eternal government, living rock containing the promise of imperishable food, from which honey will come from this rock, living rock serving as a comfort of peace. Using the power of the given components contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel, we are called to receive the victorious ability to keep and increase our profits that we have received from the invested silver of our salvation that we have invested so that we can profit. This profit consists of the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ and is a matter of the perfect will of God. This is God's goal. This is God's good goal for the sake of which He created the world, He created man, He sent His Son, and we, he, and he created, formed His church. For the sake of these, He wanted to create one body in whom He will live. Considering such a necessary tandem and such a union of God with man, it becomes vital for us to identify within each aspect of our essence the role of God and the role of man. Otherwise, if we will change beaches, we will begin to uh, fulfill God's role and and not our own, then in this way we will be presenting ourselves as God. When this is done in ignorance, it is a sin, but it, not a sin to death. But it's not for, won't, won't last for a long time because there's a time for everything. And so when a person does not understand it, or when he hears the truth and resists this truth, he knows it's true, but he resists it, that's 
to sin. What characteristics and categories identify our inherited lot in the name of God, Rock of Israel? What purpose, as it relates to achieving our salvation, is our inherited lot called to fulfill in the name of God, Rock? What price needs to be paid to provide God a proper foundation to be our rock? By what results or signs do we determine that God is truly our rock as it relates to the achieving of our calling? In a specific format, as much as God has allowed in the, according to the measure of our faith, we have already studied the essence of the first three questions, and therefore we'll begin studying the fourth question. By what signs do we determine that God is our rock as it relates to the achieving of our calling, which consists of erecting the stronghold of life within our body, our mortal body? By the signs that we are able to judge that our heart is a stronghold for Christ and that God has the proper foundation to reveal himself in the temple of our body in the power of his name, Rock. I will bring forth eight components, although there are many more of them, that are signs that testify within our body that we have paid the price for the power to the right to be led into the lot of the unsearchable inheritance of Christ in the name of God, Rock of Israel. First sign why, uh, by which we can determine or judge that God is our rock is by the testimony that God has, l- has led us out of the Egypt of our soul, split the rock and given us drink in abundance like the depths and brought streams out of the rock and caused water to run down like rivers. We will be studying this within our body and not just something abstract or a, a historical event. Marvelous things he did in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt, in the field of Zoan. He divided the sea and caused them to pass through, and he made the water stand up like a heap. In the daytime also he led them with the cloud, and all the night with a light of fire. He split the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink in abundance like the depths. And he also brought streams out of the rock and caused water to run down like river. Psalm seventy-eight, twelve through 16 The symbol of the sun... The symbol of Moses in the current event that we will be studying within our body is our sacred person. And so Moses, she says, because I drew him from the water, from death, she called him Moses. He's our sacred person. The symbol of the sons of Israel within our body, we will be studying the truth within our heart that demonstrates itself in righteousness in the format of our spiritual thoughts that come out of our mouth that is disciplined by the covenant that is made between ourselves and God in the format of the legitimate words of prayer. The symbol of the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, within our body, we will be studying in the form of the reasonable abilities of our soul, that is in the format of a select Egyptian army that is not yet submerged with baptism into the death of the Lord Jesus in the depths of the waters of the Red Sea. Therefore, the reason for why Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, in the form of the reasonable abilities of our soul, confronted Moses, who is our sacred person, consists in this, that the reasonable abilities of our soul were not yet renewed with the spirit of our mind. This is because our sacred person has not yet grown into the full measure of growth in Christ, where we would be able to see the sign of the renewal of the reasonable abilities of our soul by baptism in the waters of the Red Sea. Coming out of the Red Sea is coming out of the state of spiritual infancy, where the reasonable aspect of our soul is renewed by the spirit of our mind, which is the mind of Christ within our spirit. And in this in this way, that reasonable aspect of our soul becomes subject to the rule of our new person. 
continuing in the state of spiritual infancy, our new person is not able to impact or affect the reasonable abilities of our soul that does not understand the things that come from the Spirit of God and considers it foolishness. And so we look at whether we're carnal or infants. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. 1 Corinthians 2.14 Infants, as you know, they don't resist for the reason that one tells them the right thing, the second says the right thing, third thing says the right thing, and in his view, everyone speaks the right thing, and they're attracted by various winds of doctrine. But when they come out of infancy, spiritual infancy, uh, this will change, but if they remain in the spiritual infancy, they will begin to hate everything that comes from the Spirit of God. The symbol of Egypt within our body is a symbol of spiritual infancy that stumbles in truth because it is not able to differentiate truth from lies spoken by a person that presents himself as a teacher, which is why he is attracted by various winds of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by cunning craftiness, and accepting the tricks of these individuals as truth. In order to lead the sons of Israel out of Egypt, it was necessary for them to remember who God of their father, of their fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is, so that they can provide God with the right grounds to remember His covenant that He made with their fathers, and cry out to God for deliverance from slavery that Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, placed upon them. <clears throat> then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage, and they cried out, and their cry came up to God because of the bondage. So God heard their groaning, and God remembered His covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob, and God looked upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged them. Exodus 2:23 through 25 The symbol of the wilderness where God brought the sons of Israel is the format of total sanctification, where we are called to die in the death of the Lord Jesus for our nation, the house of our Father, and for the corrupt desires of our soul. So that in the wilderness of total sanctification, He can speak to the heart of His nation and give them His law, that when they fulfill, they can inherit the promised land, symbolizing the inheritance the inheriting of your incorrupt body. Hosea 2, 14, 15, Therefore, behold, I will allure her, will bring her into the wilderness, and speak comfort to her. I will give her vineyards from there, and the valley of Accor as a door of hope. She shall sing there, as in the days of her youth, as in the day when she came out from the land of Egypt. Already there, uh, then, in the event of, of the exodus of the sons of Israel from Egypt into the great and scary wilderness so that they can perform a total form of sanctification, God already placed upon the account of the chosen by Him remnant the promise of the adoption of their body by the redemption of Christ that is to occur at the door of our meeting, the Lord in the air. However, the condition that gives us the power to the right to come out of the Egypt of our soul into the great and scary wilderness of our total sanctification is our humbleness demonstrated in agreement. First, to listen to what God will say by Moses, whom God will place in each Christian movement, a person that is clothed by the power of the Holy Spirit into a father from God. If this church, this movement, this place is inspired by the Holy Spirit, there are many churches and titles that they give these churches that are not God, <clears throat> and they did not come 
from God, they came from the inspiration of men being supported by spirits of deception. Second, looking at what God will do through Moses, and to do this, it is necessary to become blind to all that the flesh will be doing. And third, to incline the ear of your heart and do this, to do this, it is necessary to become deaf and blind to all that any flesh will say, including your own. That is being supported by governing sin. That is the old person that lives within our body. Listen, O daughter, consider and incline your ear. Forget your own people also and your father's house. So the king will greatly desire your beauty because he is your Lord. Worship him. Psalm 45, 10, 11. Worshiping in spirit and in truth can happen only when a person will hear, when he will incline his ear. No one will hear what the Lord will say coming to the service if he does not prepare his heart. To prepare your heart is to incline your ear and to come here not as an inspector but as a student. I shall remind us that to die for or to forget your nation, the house of your father, and the corrupt desires of your soul means to change your behavior toward them. When we were dependent upon these institutes of power, they carried responsibility for us. When we died for these institutions of power, we separated from them by the means of a total form of sanctification in the death of the Lord Jesus. As a result, we became responsible before God for our nation, for the house of our Father, and for the aspect of our soul. And so now we can truly pray for our nation, the house of our Father, and for our soul. The symbol of the rock that was split in the wilderness within the temple of our body is the symbol of the circumcision of our heart in the death of Jesus Christ. The symbol of the water that flowed from the rock within the temple of our body is the symbol of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is the Holy Spirit that is poured out into our heart. Therefore, the symbol of the splitting of the rock in the wilderness from which God gave drink to the sons of Israel as from the great depths and brought waters from the rock that they flow like rivers is a symbol of the resurrection of Christ within our bodies with which God has justified us as the sons of Israel independent of the works of the law and such a resurrection within our bodies is the result of the death of the Lord within our bodies. I have made you a father of many nations, in the presence of which whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those of things which do not exist as though, as though they did, who contrary to hope and hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise. Imagine, you can see here, he did not pay attention to what was happening in his body or what was happening around him in the world. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body, it says. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able to perform. What God has promised, he was able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him, who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. Romans 4, 17 through 24. 
in the death of Jesus, our sins are uh, blotted out in resurrection, we receive justification. If the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ continues upon the tablets of our heart, this is testimony that we are not spiritual infants that stumble in the truth. So again, if the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ continues upon the tablets of our heart, this is a testimony that we are not spiritual infants that stumble in the truth and are not able to differentiate truth from lies. As we stop being attracted by various winds of doctrine, by the cunning craftiness of deception and are not accepting the tricks of individuals as the truth that present themselves as servants of light and workers of righteousness, it is by the sign that we can then determine that we have been led into the inherited lot of God in the name of God, Rock of Israel. Second sign by which we can determine or judge that God is our rock is when our king will reign in righteousness and our prince will rule with justice the law of the Most High. By the sign that we can judge that our heart is a stronghold for Christ and that God has the legitimate grounds to demonstrate himself in the temple of our body in the power of his name, rock. So for the Lord to do something in our heart, it needs to be a stronghold for Christ. There needs not be holes there for foxes or nests for birds. There need not be uh, the carnal mind where these carnal thoughts would be nesting or holes where we would be trusting upon prophecies that in no way are linked to God's prophecies. They're not linked to the scriptures, the the truth of scripture. Isaiah 32, 1 through 5, Behold, a king will reign in righteousness, and princes will rule with justice. A man will be as a hiding place from the wind, a cover from the tempest, as rivers of water in a dry place, as the shadow of a great rock in a weary land. The eyes of those who see will not be dim, the ears of those who hear will listen, also the heart of the rash will understand knowledge, and the tongue of the stammerers will be ready to speak plainly. The foolish person will no longer be called generous, nor the the miser said to be bountiful. Isaiah 32, 1-5 Understandably, we will be studying the given sign, the testimony of the fact that God is our rock within the boundaries of our body, regarding the given by God promise consisting of adopting of our, of our body by the redemption of Christ. As much as we know, a king that is called to reign in righteousness within our body is the reasonable aspect of our new person that has come into full measure of growth in Christ. Until our new person has not been grown into full measure of growth in Christ, he, our spirit will be weak and without power will not be able to differentiate truth from lies. A prince that is called to rule within our body in justice, the law of the Most High, is the reasonable aspect of our soul that is renewed by the spirit of our mind, which is the mind of Christ in our spirit. We can conclude that the given signs are able to demonstrate themselves exclusively within that category of saints that have left spiritual infancy, that stumbles and is attracted by various winds of of teaching or doctrine, and due to this fact, we have become the Uh, we have come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God into a perfect man, the full measure of growth in Christ. And to examine ourselves as to whether our new person is truly clothed into the virtue of a king that rules over our body in righteousness and that our king is truly able to rule and lead our horse or our emotions, in this case by the way of the law, it is necessary for us to examine ourselves on the following functions. 
from what vile to us wind is our king together with our prince called to be a hid- a hiding place and a cover from the tempest in what way is our king together with our prince is able to serve as a river of water in a dry place and in what way is our king together with our prince able to serve as the shadow of a great rock in a weary land for our body considering that the given functions are not able to demonstrate themselves independently from one the other in our body as they are within one the other reveal themselves in one the other and support the truthful nature of one the other and therefore make up a wonderful balance of the one who is perfect in knowledge within our body therefore from what vile to us wind is our king together with our prince called to be a hiding place and a cover from the tempest Jeremiah 4, 11-14 At that time it will be said to this people and to Jerusalem, a dry wind of the desolate heights blows in the wilderness toward the daughter of my people not to fan or to cleanse. A wind too strong for these will come for, for me. Now I will also speak judgment against them <coughs> over the daughter of my nation. Behold, he shall come up like clouds, and his chariots like a whirlwind. His horses are swifter than eagles. Woe to us, for we are plundered. O Jerusalem, wash your heart from wickedness, that you may be saved. How long shall your evil thoughts lodge within you? We see clearly here the words of Christ, that he had spoken to the person, uh, that asked him, Lord, let me, allow me to follow you. But he said, you have uh, holes for foxes and nests for birds, but uh, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his uh, head. How long will these wicked thoughts be in you? And these wicked thoughts are thoughts about worldly things, when we meditate about worldly things. And so they are death, but spiritual thoughts are life and peace. And so meditating about spiritual things is the mark of of God upon our forehead and meditating about the things of the world. Uh, and those are always surrounded by money uh, or circling around money. Uh, and so you <laughs> think that this will be uh, the, uh, the method by which you can obtain all goods for yourself. So that God can do something within our bodies in the plan of his rewards for both evil evil and good, he needs a person that possesses the fullness of the same perfection that God himself possesses, demonstrated in the quality and virtue of his justice. The perfection of the Heavenly Father that we are called to possess so that our King together with our Prince can protect our body from the wind of justice that makes us afraid consists in this so that we possess the ability of the Heavenly Father. Because this wind of justice will not cleanse. There's a wind that cleanses, but this wind is not for uh, winnowing or cleansing because the time of winnowing and cleansing has passed. And then the time comes for ju- judgment and then it become, it's too late then to change something. <laughs> so that we possess the ability of the Heavenly Father to shine our Son upon the righteous for good and the unrighteous for punishment and pour out our reins upon the just as mercy and upon the unjust as punishment. Also with moisture he saturates the thick clouds, he scatters his bright clouds. This is talking about people that are able to 
contain his light and his moisture in themselves. And they swirl about, being turned by his guidance, that they may do whatever he commands them on the face of the whole earth. He causes it to th- to come, whether for correction or for his land or for mercy. Job 37, 11-13. Considering that our bodies possess the quality and state of corruption or decay because of governing sin that lives within our body, the old person, the wind of justice that blows upon the heights of the wilderness of sanctification, upon the path of the daughters of the nations of God, is the wind of the Holy Spirit that carries the clouds of the Most High that are directed to fulfill the justice of God. Therefore, the symbol of the burning wind that blows upon the desolate heights of the wilderness is a symbol where the format of our sanctification will be tested. The principle of sanctification sanctification consists in us judging all that all that is sin within us and separate from all that is sinful in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ as it is written wash away the evil that's in your heart Jerusalem so that you can be saved how long will these evil thoughts nest in you according to that category of people that has performed the work of accordingly that category of people that has performed the work of sanctification but not from the position of the heights of the wilderness will not be able to protect their body from the wind of justice spoken by the mouth of that category of people that are completing their their sanctification upon the heights of the wilderness if a person or an entire church sanctifies themselves independent from the demands of the truth then this means that they are not sanctifying themselves upon the heights of the wilderness which is the street of Jerusalem of pure gold that is clear as glass then God in a time that he will decide that will be called the harvest using the mouth of the saints that do sanctify themselves upon the streets of Jerusalem will focus on the sanctification of the former and will destroy their spiritual building many will say to me in that day Lord Lord have we not prophesied in your name cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name and then I will declare to them I never knew you depart from me you who practice lawlessness therefore whoever hears these sayings of mine and does and does them i will liken him to to a wise man who builds his house on the rock <clears throat> and the rain descended the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man <clears throat> who builds his house on the sand And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Matthew 7, 22 through 27. Here it's talking about a good house that was built properly. It was built of the proper uh, words of prayer, but the foundation was not uh, the correct one. the foundation of the 12 foundations of the New Jerusalem upon which our hope needs to be built. And so the building was not burnt uh, if he built it upon upon, uh, with uh, hay or with any other materials it will be burned. But if he uh, built it with stone, he takes the right, or if he has the right foundation, but builds with the improper tools, he may be saved as, in a, as a blink of an eye. But 
uh, when he builds uh, with the right prayer words, without the fo- right foundation, then he cannot be a warrior in prayer. But he behaves as if he is. And so, when God begins to test these things and sends his winds, uh, winds of deception, then the house is broken to its uh, to the very foundation, and people who previously uh, knew that uh, drinking alcohol is sin don't think that anymore today. Many of these false charismatic churches uh, have legalized many sins, and why? Because their building has been broken. They don't know that their building is broken because God has closed His heart from them and they don't hear with their ears, they don't see with their eyes and they don't understand and they don't turn back to God. They think that they continue to do everything correctly and that's why He'll tell them, uh, get away away from me, I do not know you, whatever you may do and whatever works you're doing. The next question, in what way does our king, together with our prince, serve as rivers of water in a dry place for our body? The symbol of the rivers of water in a dry place is the symbol of the promise given by God for the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ, where the erection of the stronghold of eternal life occurs, representing the enthroning of the resurrection of Christ. And to become rivers of water in a dry place for your body that quenches the thirst of all of its dwellers, it is necessary to possess thirst for living water, which is the Holy Spirit, that the Son of God, as the Son of Man, can give. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. John seven thirty-seven through 39 Who believes in me? To believe, meaning he who is obedient to my words, spoken by my people. If you reject his people, I... Jesus says, I send you upon the same conditions that God has sent me. Who accepts you or receives you receives me. He who receives me receives the one who sent me. Who rejects you rejects me. Is not obedient to the words that are spoken. Rejects my words. And rejects me. And who rejects me, my words, rejects the words of my Father who sent me. And so to possess this living water, he says on the last day that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. In order to thirst for living water, which is the Holy Spirit, it is necessary to understand the significance of the Holy Spirit in the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ. Because without the Holy Spirit, our adoption cannot happen. We need two formats of wisdom, the truth as the Thummim and the individual Holy Spirit that will breathe life into the Thummim. As God created man, 
God created man. But he had no life in him. He did not have corruption in him either. He didn't have life. And then God breathed the breath of life into him. Because the word breath, this is the breath of the Holy Spirit. And specifically here, we need to understand this truth that without the individual Holy Spirit, we uh, are not able to. Thirsting for living for the living water is not baptism of the Holy Spirit, but being led by the Holy Spirit, which is a result of receiving the Holy Spirit in the form of the Lord of your life. That is possible when we leave behind spiritual infancy, where a person being baptized by the Holy Spirit stumbles and is attracted by various winds of doctrine in the cunning craftiness of deception. Paul had said in Corinthians, they did not have insufficiency in any gift, they spoke in tongues, but I could not speak with them as men that are spiritual, but as carnal men. In the state of spiritual infancy, we are not able to differentiate the work of the Holy Spirit from the work of the spirit of deception in the people that a person follows, as well as in his own thoughts that uh, we in part receive as the revelations of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, this person is not able to be led by the Holy Spirit as a result of then his salvation is in danger or is under threat. Today he is saved, tomorrow his name may be blotted out. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raises Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Pay attention here. Baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues is not a guarantee that He lives in you. If the Holy Spirit would live in us, we would be led by the Holy Spirit and not by blind guides and not with our own interpretations. We would have acknowledged God's structure, His infrastructure of theocracy, and we would not ever have allowed ourselves to come here as inspectors but as students therefore brethren we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to flesh for if we live according to the flesh we'll die but if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the of the body you li- you will live for as many as are led by the spirit of God these are the sons of God Romans 8 11 through 14 <clears throat> you can't with the spirit put to death the works of the flesh without being led by the Holy Spirit because we need to differentiate where the works of the Holy Spirit are and where the works of the flesh are. The same deed can come from the Holy Spirit or from our flesh. And so they thought that if they have the desire to pray and the desire to practice spiritual gifts and evangelize, prophesy, and so forth, then this is absolutely from the Holy Spirit. But 
It turns out that's not the case. It was from an unclean spirit. He says, "This I never knew you. This was never from me. I will punish you because you ascribed uh, what are from the spirit of deception uh, these things to me. How do you differentiate? I want to pray. I want to preach. I want to evangelize. I want to sing to the Lord. How do you know if this is something coming from me or from the Holy Spirit? All that a person thirsts for when he is in the state of spiritual infancy, even when he is baptized by the Holy Spirit, is to possess the blessings of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And so a person be led by the Holy Spirit it has one goal, to bear fruit. He hungers for one thing, <clears throat> to fulfill his calling, to clothe his body into the resurrection of Christ, and to erect the stronghold of life in his body. This is what this person hungers for. So there is a very large difference between, a significant d- difference between the two. Such a person, because of his ignorance, is <clears throat> constantly trying to lead the Holy Spirit, not being led by the Holy Spirit, but he's trying to lead the Holy Spirit. He dictates to him what he is required to do for him instead of thirsting for the revelations of the Holy Spirit so that he can fulfill them. <clears throat> Typically, such people uh, demand God, uh, what God needs to do. You said it, do it. I've met people often, and you probably have also, <clears throat> that preach in this kind of way. Everything God has promised, you can uh, say, state to him and uh, demand it from him. He promised to heal, now heal. If you don't heal me, then I will consider you to be a liar. And he says, brothers and sisters, I forced him into a fifth corner and he had no choice but to heal my swollen finger and see he did it. I had such anger in myself when I heard this, I wanted to stand up and wanted to punch him, but I didn't do any of that, of course. This was the desire of coming from the flesh. This was the desire of the flesh. Uh, One of our brothers came up to me when people were were being rebelling against me. And he said, Pastor, just allow me to come up and punch just one time. And I said, no, please don't do any of those things. I know the desire, it comes up, but we need to control this. Uh, allow God to uh, deal with these people because this that will be the real punch. The punch that you may give, it won't do much. But when God begins to work, then that will truly be uh, uh, something they will, will understand. In the state of spiritual infancy, a person has no cooperation between the reasonable abilities of his spirit and the reasonable abilities of his soul. Because of this, the king of this person is governing sin, and his prince are unclean thoughts that he perceives to be thoughts of the Holy Spirit. The next question, in what way is our king together with our prince able to serve as the shadow of a great rock in a weary land for our body? To be under any shadow means to be under the influence of something, to be dependent on something, or be under the authority of something. 
that has uh, become subject to something, to, a, to an authority. For example, in the prophecies of Babylon, that represents an individual person as well as an entire Christian movement who in their perverse minds mix the things of man with the things of God. They will be under the shadow of the arrow snake, thinking they are under the shadow of the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 34, 15. There the arrow snake shall make her nest and lay eggs and hatch and gather them under her shadow. There also shall the hawks be gathered, every one with her mate. Isaiah 34.15 It's speaking about the people amongst the nation of God that will gather as this arrow snake uh, nests and, and will gather them under her shadow under her, her own control. Whether we agree with this or don't agree with this, the facts remain to be facts, that every person that was born from the line of the first Adam was brought forth in iniquity and in sin their mother conceived them. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Psalms 51, 5-7. David perfectly understood his, uh, his birth that he was brought forth in iniquity and his sin, in sin his mother conceived him. This is the reason Job being struck with leprosy for his entire birth or upon his entire body to confirm the given to him justification that he received according to God's grace independent from his birth where he was born in iniquity he cursed the day of his birth he in other words he rejected his own life he cursing the day of his birth he, in, in the flesh he, he rejected his own life May that day be darkness. May God above not seek it, nor the light shine upon it. May darkness and the shadow of death claim it. May a cloud settle on it. May the blackness of the day terrify it. Job 3, 4, 5. He perfectly understood that, and when he did this, he received the ability to be restored in his justification. Therefore, to be under the shadow of a great rock in a weary land is possible if you have thirst to be under the shadow of a great rock as you understand the discipline of the order that identifies the atmosphere and order of the kingdom of heaven within the body of Christ. Thirst to be under the shadow of a great rock is a thirst to be under the influence and authority of the word of the person that represents for us the delegated fathership of God. Independent of such a dependence upon the word of God, spoken by the mouth of the person that God has made for us, a shadow of a great rock, we will die from thirst. <clears throat> Being independent from such a dependence of the word of God, we will die from thirst. However, to be under the shadow of such a great rock, it is necessary that our body be under that shadow of the great rock of our king and our prince. This means to prepare your heart so that when you listen to the word of God spoken by the delegated of God, you accept it into your heart with the intention to immediately confess it, telling God within your heart, let it be for me according to your word, so that in this way it would receive the legitimate ability to be fertilized within our heart and the ability to grow within our heart into the, fir- into the fruit of righteousness. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made 
unto salvation. Romans 10, 9, 10. It is in this way that our king, as our reasonable abilities of our new person, together with our prince, which are the reasonable abilities of our soul, that is renewed by the spirit of our mind, by confessing the word of truth with our mouth, our king and prince, in these confessed words, becomes a shadow of a great cliff for our body. To check and examine ourselves as to whether our king rules in righteousness within our body together with our prince, who rules according to the law within the three studied by his functions, is to be done by six of the below-listed signs. The eyes of those who see will not be dim, the ears of those who hear will listen, the heart of the rash will understand knowledge, the tongue of the stammerers will be ready to speak plainly, the foolish person will no longer be called generous, the miser said to be bountiful. Considering that we need to discover the act of all of the above listed signs within our body and not something out of it. The phrase, the eyes of those who see will not be dim in Hebrew means will not be looking around in fear will not be dimmed, will not take his eyes off the goal that is placed by God in Scripture that is consisting of the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ. The symbol of eyes that see what God is prepared to do within our body that will not be dimmed or closed is our ability and our preparedness to escape to the mountains from the wrath of God not looking back. Because one of the meanings of eyes that see will not be dimmed is that they will not look around in fear as the wife of Lot did. So it came to pass when they had brought them outside that he said, Escape for your life, do not look behind you, nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains, lest you be destroyed. Genesis 19.17 Why did she become a pillar of salt? Because she did not become blind to only see what was happening in the invisible world. She only saw what was in the visible world and not invisible, and so she, uh, there her daughters remained that did not want to come out, her married daughters. The non-married came out, but the married ones remained with their husbands, her uh, grandchildren and daughters and others, and her heart was there. The heart of Lot was with the Lord. His eyes were focused upon what God said, and that's why he was saved. The symbol of eyes that see what God is prepared to do within our body that will not be dimmed is our ability and our preparedness not to look back at the house of our Father. Not look back at the house of our Father. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. He, he told him, Follow me. But this person, this individual said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. 
And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Luke 9:57 through 62. A person who has not died for the house of his father, he has not died, he will be looking back. He is not fit for the kingdom of God. If we have such a state and do not look back at our nation, the house of our father, and the corrupt desires of our soul, then this sign is confirmation that our king rules in righteousness within our body, together with our prince that rules according to the law, in the three above studied by us functions. The next sign by which we can determine that our king rules in righteousness within our body, together with our prince, this is because the ears of those who hear will listen. In the given place of scripture, the phrase, the ears of those who hear will listen, in Hebrew, means the path to to the heart of a person, activity of two sides, where God receives the legitimate basis to listen to a person to fulfill his prayer, and the person can listen to God or be obedient to the word of God spoken by the mouth of of those whom God has sent. Therefore, a more precise and faithful version of the given translation can sound like this. Listen very attentively to one the other. Listen very attentively to one the other. The measure or level level in which we listen to God is how God will listen to us or our prayers. Habakkuk 2, 1 through 4, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. First, the person needs to show something to God and then God responds so that the one write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Behold, the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. Habakkuk 2, 1-4. And so, if God will tarry to adopt our body by the redemption of Christ at the door of our hope, then this vision is specifically to that specific time that it will not lie, it will happen. It will, uh, even if it tarries, wait for it. If we possess such a state to behave carefully, not like the foolish, but like the wise, treasuring our time, then the sign is a confirmation that our king rules in righteousness within our body together with our prince that rules according to the law of the Most High in the above three studied by his functions. The next sign by which we can determine that our king rules in righteousness within our body together with our prince who rules according to the law is the heart of the rash will understand knowledge. The heart of the rash will understand knowledge. In Hebrew, the meaning of the phrase the heart of the rash means to behave hastily before you think it through. The meaning of the phrase will understand knowledge in Hebrew means will have the mind to understand 
differentiate and pay attention to, to his heart, will act wisely, will behave with wisdom, will consider his words, and will care for the state of his heart. We can conclude that a heart that was previously rash has learned to act wisely and behave with wisdom. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Ephesians 5:15-17. If we possess such a state and such a position to behave with care, or in this case circumspectly, not as the foolish, but as the wise, redeeming the time, then this is confirmation that our king rules in righteousness in our body, together with our prince that rules according to the law of the Most High in the three above studied by us functions. The next sign by which we can determine that our king rules in righteousness within our body, together with our prince who rules according to the law, is the tongue of the stammerers will be ready to speak plainly. A stammering tongue is the inability to clearly state your thoughts. The word came from the word something faulty, meaning remaining silent. It's referring to tongue, a tongue that does not move because of sin before God and has lost hope upon God. At the same time, the phrase will speak plainly in Hebrew indicates a change that has occurred because of repentance, where a person has confessed his sins and began speaking clearly or began to pray according to the demands of the breastplate of justice. When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, my vitality was turned into the drought of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. He confessed his to the prophet Gad. For he said, What have you done, king? For this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great water they shall not come near him. Psalm 32, 3 through 6. The more complete thought and meaning of the phrase speak plainly in Hebrew contains the format of such a confession where a person, because of the obedience of his faith to the faith of God, has freed his lips from the power of sin and has given them to be slaves of righteousness. And in this way began speaking boldly, expressing the clear and pure thoughts of the will of God regarding the adoption of his body by the redemption of Christ and has disciplined to be slaves of righteousness the members of his body and has made his emotions or his emotional aspect, a servant. To speak plainly means to express a clear thought, to speak clearly, not using idle or dirty words, hold fast to the confessions of hope, remain immovable in righteousness, to remain faithful to the truth of the covenant with God, communicate with your heart, journey in the direction of the goal that is implemented by God, drive out, force out, chase, pursue your enemies, to make obedient, make listen, to take, and to make your will a servant. I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I meditate with my heart, and my spirit makes diligent search. Psalm 77, 5, 6. If we possess the ability to speak clearly, then this sign is confirmation that our king rules in righteousness within our body, together with our prince that rules according to the law of the Most High in the three above studied by us functions. The next sign by which we can determine that our king rules in righteousness, 
within our body together with our prince who rules according to the law is the foolish person will no longer be called generous. Which indicates the fact that previously we called the foolish person generous. I trust that you are already seeing that the foolish that previously lived in our body, whom we call generous, is our unenlightened with the truth mind that considered its in- its conclusions as the revelations of the Holy Spirit and demanded respect. Then, sa- then he said, I have sinned. Saul said to Samuel, Yet honor me now, please, before the elders of my people and before Israel, and return with me that I may worship the Lord your God. You see, this person will no longer... Uh, And so the foolish person will no longer be called generous. Hope and trust upon the ability of your mind to interpret the thoughts of God that are contained in Scripture and to uh, have the audacity to differentiate what's pure and impure with your mind is the most tragic and uh, terrible thing that prepares a person that people prepare uh, for themselves that resist God and His people. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have set your mind, your heart as the heart of God. In this case, when I'm talking about heart, it's also the mind here referring to mind as the heart of God. And so, the heart of God also includes His people, that whom God has placed, because they're of, they're of, they're of the same heart. Because you have set your heart as the heart of a God, behold, therefore therefore I will bring strangers against you, the most terrible of the nations, and they shall draw their swords against the beauty of your wisdom and defile your splendor. They shall throw you down into the pit, and you shall die the death of the slain in the midst of the seas. Will you still say before him who slays you, I am a God, but you shall be a man and not a God? Ezekiel 28.6-10 And so, not to call the foolish person as generous, everything that for us previously was <clears throat> considered a gain for the sake of the greater, which is Jesus Christ, we need to consider it as nothing so that we uh, come to Christ and also then not come to Him with our own personal righteousness, but with the righteousness that is from Christ, from God. But what thing were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ, yet indeed also count all these loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Philippians 3, 7. And lower. If we possess the ability to no longer call the foolish person generous, then that means that our King rules within our body in righteousness and the prince rules according to the law. The next component, the next sign by which we can determine that our king rules in righteousness within our body together with our prince who rules according to the law and the three above listed functions is the miser said to be, they won't say that he's bountiful. A miser is is a bad quality of the uncircumcised mind and this uh, often includes jealousy that we clothe into fairness and goodness. 1 Samuel 18, 20-25 Now, Michalah, uh, Saul's daughter, loved David, and they told Saul, and the thing pleased him. So Saul said, I will give her to him. You see, he's using uh, 
this negative, this bad thing, uh, quality in him. I will give her to him that she may be a snare to him and that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Therefore Saul said to David a second time, You shall be my son-in-law today. And Saul commanded his servants, Communicate with David secretly and say, Look, the king has delight in you and all his servants love you. Now therefore become the king's son-in-law. So Saul's servants spoke these words in the hearing of David. And David said, Does it seem to you a light thing to be a king's son-in-law, seeing I am poor and lightly esteemed uh, a poor and a lightly esteemed man and the servants of Saul told him saying in this manner David spoke then Saul said thus you shall say to David the king does no, has no desire in any dowry but 100 foreskins of the Philistines to take vengeance on the king's enemies but Saul thought to make David fall by the hands of the Philistines 1 Samuel 18:20-25 and so the thing is we have been born with in lawlessness with jealousy already programmed in us that clearly shows itself in some and not as clearly in others. But if we receive in our heart to make the decision to crucify our flesh and stop clothing it into uh, something else, then the stronghold of death will be destroyed in our body and we will not have a reason then to call the miser as bountiful. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now work in the sons of disobedience. These are people who disobey God's word in the churches, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He already seated us with Christ Jesus in heaven, and sees us in Jesus Christ in heaven, and raised us up together, and made us sit together, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace, his in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And so, if we have the ability to not call the miser as bountiful, then that means that our king rules in righteousness and our prince rules in accordance with God's law. In the above three mentioned uh, conditions we studied. And so now we will pray. We can bend our knees and our heads. May the Lord bless us. In this prayer, let us thank Him for the word that we were able to receive today. According to which we are able to determine who God is for us, what He's done for us, and who we are to Him. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you that again and again I can with your saints worship before you in this temple which is your church that you have redeemed to yourself as your own I thank you that you have made your servant a part of the chosen by God by you remnant I thank you that every person that sits here is a candidate and may not just be candidate, but also, but is a partaker of your remnant. I would like 
that every person who is a candidate to move to the next level, next stage, become a member of the chosen by God remnant, that we forbid our thoughts from doing their own thing in our body, that we don't call what is <clears throat> idle or sinful as something generous. You give us your word and ignorance that is something that can have a terrible end for those people. May your light come so that it, we can receive your instruction and your correction so that every person that resists your truth, that watches us on television or listens to us, can understand in their heart and make the decision to stop speaking and or deciding that certain sinful things are generous things. May your name be blessed within your nation, for we have prepared our bodies for the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ. We have it in ourselves, and we, at the time that you have appointed, we see that you open up in these last times the truth, and you see that all this can happen suddenly and quickly. And so those people, those saints that have received into their heart the morning star, in the format of your promises that belong to the door of your hope, allow us to grow these things into our in our heart into full measure so that your light can enlighten their hearts so that they can see they can differentiate they can understand what comes from the flesh what comes from the holy spirit you have shown according to your word that everything that comes from the flesh and what the flesh desires is blessing, practicing of spiritual gifts, anointing, <clears throat> and everything that our spirit desires as the king and our renewed mind as the prince is to bring and bear fruit in order to fulfill our calling, which is your goal that has been concealed in your entrails before the creation of the world. And that was not known to anyone, and you revealed this. And today, this goal is seen by your angels that serve our mortal bodies and are suffering from that. And we, together with with them, suffer, waiting for that revelation in our in our bodies. When not only us, but also the angels that serve us, will take part in that revelation and will calm down. We thank you and we worship before you, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. And let us now proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, and to present you faultless, before the presence of his glory, with exceeding joy, to God 
our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.